0: that. It'd be a blessing, won't it? And it will be a day of all days, and uh, we need to pray for Miss Linda Eller. Uh, she's uh, probably going to be passing over here. I don't know exactly when. Now, she was here one other time, and if y'all remember, she stayed on the ground here, uh, but uh, went and seen her yesterday, and uh, even her vitals and things are starting to get a little lower, and... Uh, so I want you to pray for the family. Like I said, i talked to Murph, and they know where Ms. Elder's going, and, and so we might be hearing some words here in the next few days. I want to mention quickly, um, I appreciate Ms. Christina Edwards. Uh, she's headed up our Christmas program for several years, and we've not said much about it, but she'll be working. She's already actually got something going. Uh, we're going to be having our regular Christmas program on the 18th of December. Uh, that's the Sunday before Christmas. Of course, y'all know uh, Christmas hits on a Sunday uh, this year, and someone might say, well, you're going to cancel church. Well, why would we do that? Amen. Last time I checked, I mean, that's why we celebrate Jesus. <laughs> yes. So we're going to have church service. Now, we will. We won't have Sunday school that morning, but we're going to have church service, and we might modify the evening service a little bit. But uh, we want to have definitely a wonderful day on, in the Lord's on the Lord's Day on Christmas. But... On the 18th, we're going to have that night, we'll have our uh, Christmas program. And so Miss Christina will be getting with some of you on that. And Brother Nate and them will be working on the music. And, and so uh, Miss Christina is going to be taking care of all that, and I sure appreciate it. We always look forward to our Christmas program. I look forward to the parade. The Hoovers will be working on the uh, float, might need some help. So we'll be listening for their direction on that. I know we're going to need folks to uh, obviously be in the parade uh, you can either ride in the parade or you can walk in the parade. Uh, we call them walkers. And uh, if you're going to walk, you've got to hand out the candy and uh, just get ready because you're going to walk from the uh, elementary school up to Walmart. Now, if you lose gas, if you run out of gas, uh, you can catch up with the bus or the float, and you can jump on there. But uh, we usually have people that can make it all the way up there. But we'll hand out anywhere from six to 800 bags of candy and... In every bag that we have, of course, we'll have the gospel, and we'll get with Miss Charity here, hopefully maybe get some tickets made for our children's program and uh, maybe our Christmas season. So we'll hand those out uh, during the, the parade on the 10th. That's on the 10th this year. So everything is going to get really, really busy, and so let's just kind of get, you know, our second wind going on and do our best to be involved in all of it. We always look forward to the children's, uh, children's uh, uh, play so all of it is good stuff, and so let's just uh, get ready to celebrate the most wonderful time of the year. Right? Amen. All right. Appreciate the encouragement there. Some of you look like you're already asleep. All right. First Kings chapter seventeen. First Kings chapter seventeen. Now I'm gonna just share this with y'all. Um, Y'all ever believe, I know y'all know this, but people can get discouraged. Y'all know that? How many of you believe the devil can jump up on your back and really help discourage you? Boy, he really can, especially in ministry. Because sometimes uh, he'll crawl up on your back and say to you, look, y'all ain't making a difference there at that church. You're wasting your time. Nobody's listening. I mean, y'all ever felt that way? You ever taught a class or you ever obviously we know how those things are but man yesterday I, I, I got to share this I have to say from a personal standpoint we, we was at that party yesterday and God knows all about it but man I'm I'm in the back I'm in the back there's I don't know 80 to 100 people there I'm in the back and we're supposed to surprise Stone and his family and so when they come through the door I'm in the back and you know Stone's shocked all these people are there and he's trying to figure everything out and he, so his mom says, you need to come on and walk on up a little closer. And he started to walk. And he looked over and seen me and said, oh, Pastor Mark. And he come running over there to me, grabbed me in a big old hug. And you talking about kicking the devil off my shoulder, that happened. Yes. I'm telling you. And so uh, it's precious little moments like that. And tonight, children, tonight was another one of those moments. I'm just going to be honest with you. Another one of those moments. To hear y'all sing those songs and say your verses, I want you to know something. You have encouraged my heart tonight. I want you to know that. Every one of you. And I love every one of you. I appreciate every one of you. And I love your parents. I'm so thankful for your parents that they bring you here and you're here faithful on Sunday night, and I appreciate you so very much. And if you're a teenager here tonight, I love you too, and I'm glad you're here. A lot of teenagers aren't in church tonight, but I'm glad you are. And if you have parents that have brought you here, you ought to be thankful. Now, I know maybe you'd rather sit at home, watch the game. I don't know. Maybe you'd rather play a game. I don't know, but you're in a good place tonight. I appreciate you being here. First Kings, let's look at chapter 18. I know I, I want to finish the day on this. Some of it will be overlapped, but I, this is just what's on my heart. Proving God is alive. Proving God is alive. We've witnessed that, and I think that God is always proving that He's alive and He's real. In chapter 18, we know this is the crescendo or the climax of really Elijah's ministry. We know that the great Opinion was, if you look with me in verse 21 of chapter 18, and Elijah came into all the people and said, how long shall ye halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. So they were silent. They didn't have an answer. They, they were confused. They were absolutely confirming the fact that they were at a crossroad in their life. They didn't really know which God was real, which God was alive. They're getting ready to find out. Then said Elijah unto the people, I even, I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks. Let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God that answereth by fire. Let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. They agreed. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first. For ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon. Hours, nothing. Saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awake. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past, now several hours more, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. All day long. they have been cutting themselves, shouting, hollering. Now I'm going to tell y'all something. It would have looked about as much like a satanic worship service as you've ever seen. Neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. There's a message right there. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as was counting two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it the second time. They did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar and he filled the trench also with water it came to pass at the time of the offering and the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, notice, they fell on their face and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. And I want to serve notice to you tonight. He is God. He's the very same God that licked up this offering with fire, licked up all the water, all the dust, all the stone, all the wood. He's the one we serve tonight. He's the one that we have the opportunity to pray to tonight. He's the very same God that allowed this young boy to get up here and walk and sit on this chair this morning. It's the very same God that is God, and He's the real, alive God, real living God. There is no opinions. Now, we live in a country where there's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of people that's halting between opinions. say, ah, Pastor Mark, can you really be right? No, I'm not right. The Bible's right. I believe the Bible. I mean, you're going to believe something, you might as well go ahead and believe the right thing. Amen? I mean, even atheists have a body belief. Everybody believes something. And of course, we live in a day where everything's got to be inclusive. And I'm, by the way, I'm for being inclusive when inclusive is in order, when things need to be inclusive. But I want y'all to know something, there's not many ways to heaven, there's just one. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone might say, well, you're being narrow-minded. No, I'm not being narrow-minded, I'm being Bible-minded. Why would the Lord Jesus Christ come to this earth, bleed and die, if there's some other way we can get there? He's the way. And so we need to be spending our lives giving people the way. We need to be telling people about the God that is alive and that's real. But you know something? Before we can stand in front of a host of people like Elijah did, we'll never do that until we know he's personally alive in us. And I believe that that's what took place in chapter 17. God was working in a man's heart before he was ever, and I know I shared this this morning, but before he ever could go and stand on that Mount Carmel and challenge 450 prophets of Baal and say, I want you to know that I represent God and I believe our God is the real God and the Lord Jehovah God is alive and real. He had to know that first himself. You know how many times we will not publicly try to tell people about our God that is alive because we don't know him personally. See, can I just say, before God can become alive, he's got to become personal. See, the Christian life is a personal life. A relationship is a personal relationship. God works in each individually, each individual personal. Do you understand, and I've learned this this year, he deals with us in a personal way. Do you know that people go through things, to some it might look to someone and say, you know, well that's not that big of a deal, but that might be not your deal because it's not a personal thing to you, but it's, if it's personal to you, it's personal. Nothing really becomes dynamic or real until it what? Becomes personal. So has Jesus Christ ever become personal to you? For instance, I'm going to be honest with you. He proved himself alive in a personal way to Elijah at the brook because here was the thing. Elijah was in a place in his life that God told him to go somewhere and he had to depend upon the Lord to do what needed to be done. He had to to depend on the Lord for his personal physical needs. Have you ever been there? Now I want you to think about that. I want to think about all the parents here just a moment. How hard do we try to make our children's life absolutely easy? Now well, I'm not saying we should make it hard by no means, but I'm going to be honest with you, if, if you're going to provide all of their needs and everything and mom and dad or grandma and grandpa can do everything they need or want, why would they need God? <clears throat> See, there are things in your children's life mom and dad can't do. And so even as a child, there's a perfect time to teach your children that there are times in your life, even mom and dad, we have to depend upon God. And I want you to know, when we depend upon Him for our physical needs, He's never let us down. I can't help but think, when we were at Bible college, y'all know the story, Kaylee was very sick. Kaylee stayed sick. She stayed sick with certain things. And, you know, we, we were in Knoxville. And, and, by the way, we lived in a dump. It was a dump. It was a dump. Y'all know what a dump is? It was a dump. And, uh, but you know what? It was our dump. And I was in Bible college. I was working. And, and, and we, were, we were trying to do everything. We had two small children, and Kaylee stayed sick. And, you know, to be quite honest, Kaylee had to have medicine and then we spent all we had just to get her medicine and I'm going to be honest with you I was discouraged we were both discouraged and I mean I remember that day so discouraged I got up went off to school and I, I just said Lord I don't understand this I said I'm, I'm here in Bible college our daughter's sick all the time we're scraping around for money and there's people out here living like the devil they ain't got a thing to worry about and here we are struggling And go ever been there? I went to school that day and come home. I'll never forget, come home, I pulled into our dump. Well, I'd never seen Laura come running out of the house like that. She'd come running out of the house. She had a letter in her hand. I mean, she was crying and laughing at the same time. Y'all ever seen anybody cry and laugh at the same time? They do it. Get a straight straitjacket, amen? Cry and laugh at the same time? And she said, she came out there, man, she handed me that letter, and I opened it up, and it read something like this. Dear Brother Mark, uh, God put you all in our heart tonight. We know you're down there trying to serve the Lord, get educated to go out and serve Him with your life. And we just thought we would be a blessing to you. Don't know if you need it, but we took up a law of offering for you. Here it is, a $300 check, and it was like $3 million to us. Dallas Peyton and Cook's Chapel Baptist Church. What a great church. What a great God. And now from that time to here, I've learned something. There are some very difficult situations that we've been in. But do you know when God becomes alive and real to you, when you have to depend on Him and He shows up? He's proved Himself alive personally to Elijah at the brook. He also proved Himself personally alive to Elijah with the barrel. Now what happened here? Here's where God took Him from a place where He was at a brook where He had to depend on the Lord... For his needs. Then he dried the brook up. So he had to leave. There's a great famine. So then we go and find him coming to a place called Zarephath. And he comes there. And he seems like a very cocky, arrogant man. He asks a widow to feed him first. And she's just told him. That I'm getting ready to make two cakes. Build a little fire with a few sticks here. And we're going to eat this and die. And so Elijah. Goes up to her. And says. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Here's the point. God had to prove himself alive by that barrel, and here's what he taught Elijah. At the brook, he realized that he was depending on his physical needs, but right here, he was realizing and depending on the Lord for something else. In a very tragic situation, he realized, and I know I mentioned this this morning, but he asked a woman, and he was going to go to a place which seemed impossible, but the Lord was teaching Elijah that he could depend on him even in the most dire of situations. And in many times, in those dire situations, help comes from the most unlikely places. Help comes from the most unlikely places. See, if he would have went to a rich man here and said, here's what I want you to do, there would have been no miracle in that. See, sometimes what we think is easy, we think, oh, well, why didn't God just do it this way? Well, the reason God didn't do it that way is because God wants to prove himself alive to you personally. Pastor, I just don't know why it didn't work out like that. Well, I don't either, but I know this. God's trying to prove himself alive to you. Even in dire situations, many times you'll get help in the most unlikely places. The barrel. He proved himself alive by the barrel. And then we talked about this. Then immediately now, this is still personal work. What's God doing here? He's he's here's what he's doing. He is refining a man of God. He is, I mean, fine tuning a personal work in Elijah's heart and life. Y'all understand that? That's what he does. Now, I don't know about you. Sometimes that's a very painful process. But that's God's desire. He's trying to work in our life in a personal way. What? To refine us. He was working on this man to make him a real man of God. Because you know what? He knew what he's getting ready to face. He knew that here in a little bit he was going to be standing on a caramel. Facing 450 prophets of Baal. And I'm going to say this. He was definitely the minority. And I'm going to tell you all right now. It took some backbone and guts to do what he did on Mount Carmel. That just didn't happen overnight. Before he was going to stand up on that mountain and express to the whole world that there was a God that is alive and real, he had to know in his heart first. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm confident personally that this God's real. You know why? Because he knew that he worked in his own personal heart. See, the Christian life is a personal work. So we find out here now this boy has died, that God is just miraculously saved by keeping the barrel full of milk and the crews full of oil, and there was never no doubt that that boy was going to live and he was not going to die because of famine, but then, sure enough, he dies. So then there's a distraught parent here. She's mad. She questions Elijah. Look at it. The Bible says in verse 18, and she said to Elijah, what have I to do with thee? In other words, she said, are you kidding me? You're going to come here, you're going to take a cake, you're going to eat it, and you're promised that you tell me that that barrel won't fail, the cruise won't fail, you're going to save my son and I, Your God, the God's going to save my son and myself, and then now he's going to die? She's hurt. She's distraught. She's mad. She's questioning him now. What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? There's a question mark there. Now she's not even believing what he is. And by the way, before we get too hard on this woman, I don't know about y'all, we've questioned God a lot, haven't we? If you're sitting there by the coffin or the lifeless body of your child, you're going to have some thoughts too. Art thou coming to me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft. And you know what happened. He laid him down. He laid on him three times. And on the third time, the Bible said he he was revived. And Elijah, verse 23, took the child and brought him down out of the chamber to the house and delivered him into his mother. And Elijah said, see, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. So now God has went from the brook to the barrel to a boy and now he's proving to Elijah this man of God, this man that he's working in his heart, he's trying to get him to where he needs to be, he's working in his heart in a purse-to-way, putting fine-tuned touches on him. Now he just witnessed a boy that was lifeless to come to life. And here's what he taught it. <laughs> when you think it's impossible, it's possible with me. Yeah. Now, I don't know if y'all have ever been in a situation like that. Have y'all ever, have ever been in your life to where you don't think you can pick your head up off the pillow because what you have facing you is a river that you can't cross? Have you ever been so discouraged and something happened to you in such a way that you absolutely don't think you can pick your feet up and go another step? You think the night is so dark that you can't see your hand in front of your face? You're so discouraged that you say God's never going to be able to do this? Well, just hide and watch. He's going to show up. And when he does, what's he just done to you and for you in your personal life? He just showed you that he's real and alive. I don't know about y'all. It don't take much to trust the Lord when the sun's shining. That ain't when you're your greatest Christian life. That's not your best relationship with the Lord when everything's great. It's when you can't see It's when the waves are real big. And by the way, some things have become very helpful to me. You know, the disciples walked with the Lord Jesus for three and a half years. There was no one any closer to him. And some of them were even closer than the others. There was a core among the core. And here's what the core of the core said. Lord, I believe. But help mine unbelief. You know, there's times in the Christian life we believe... But there's doubt along with that belief. And you might say, oh, pastor, I'm going to be critical of you of that. You're not a strong Christian. Well, you take that up with the disciples. They turned the world upside down. You know why I've come to be helped with some of that stuff? They were human. Do you all understand the greatest man, greatest woman that has served the Lord still failed? There's still failure in their life. And I'm glad God doesn't throw the clay away. But in this moment, this looks like an impossibility But God wants to make Himself alive and real in a personal way in Elijah's life by this boy to let him know, don't ever count him out. Nothing is impossible when you put your trust in God. All of you that went to Bahamas, y'all know that, don't you? Mm-hmm. That was the uh, theme of that youth congress that year. Mm-hmm. Nothing is impossible when you put your—is it faith or trust? Mm-hmm. Trust in God. Mm-hmm. That's right, singer Robert. Nothing's impossible, but you know what? We've counted him out before. But y'all be honest with me. Just be honest, it's not confession time, but it'd just do my heart some good if y'all would raise your hand with me if it's true. How many of y'all ever counted God out and you might have doubted him every once in a while? Would you raise your hand? I appreciate that. Well, when he makes himself real and shows up in the dark and does the impossible, you know what he does to you? He just again shows you in your personal life that he's still there, he's still alive, and he's still real. And he's still a powerful, power-working God. Now, quickly, the crescendo of what God wanted to do in the life of Elijah is he wanted to prove himself alive by the bullock. Now, I don't know if any of you preachers are listening, but there is a good outline, and there's two chapters involved. God has proved himself by the brook. God has proved himself by the barrel. God has proved himself alive by the boy, but the crescendo is, the absolute whole mission of Elijah's life was to prove God alive by the bullock. But can I say to you, God proved himself. Elijah had to know, God had to prove himself alive personally. Here it is, y'all ready? Before we'll prove him alive publicly. Do you know the greatest soul winners and the people that want to talk about the Lord all the time? They're the ones that know God is real to them every moment. Do you know the people that are always talking about the Lord and always wanting to tell other people about Christ, or they're always inviting people to church, or they're always trying to get people out to know the Lord because they are pers they know Him personally and they know the difference that He's made in their life personally. And when he becomes real and alive to us personally, then we have no problem making him alive and real publicly. Are you all with me? That's what happened here. See, before Elijah could ever go publicly and stand before the whole nation, before all of that 450 prophets of Baal, they were halting between two opinions. Before he ever had that moment at Carmel, he had to have the moment at the brook. He had to have the moment at the barrel. He had to have that moment with the boy and then praise God we see him with the bullock publicly. And then I want to just say this as I close. When God becomes alive and real to us personally, he's going to become alive and he will become alive and real. We'll make him alive and real publicly. But then I want you to notice when all that happens, then he becomes alive and real. That's powerful. Y'all know what happens? I didn't read the rest of the story, but in chapter 18, after they said, the Lord be God, the Lord is God, I want you to notice what happened. In verse 39 of chapter 18, and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God, the Lord, he is the God. That's powerful. You know why? Because God just proved himself alive to the whole nation. They were in a fix. They didn't know. We don't know. Is Baal God or is the Lord God? Is Baal God or is the Lord God? And when Elijah showed up and said, hey, halt y'all between, they didn't say nary a word. They were silent. You know why? They didn't know. But they found out. And I want y'all to know something. That's powerful. Can I ask y'all a question? How many of y'all found out? How many of y'all remember the day the Lord showed up in your life, convicted you of your sin, and you trusted Christ as your Savior? Would you give a shout? Let me tell y'all what happened right there. That was a powerful day, friend. That the very God of heaven loved you enough to speak to your heart by the Holy Spirit of God to convict you of sin that you might enter into a relationship with this God through His Son, the Lord. That's powerful. Can I say not only they had no more question who the real God was, he made himself alive, made himself real. But I want you to notice what happened. Verse 40, and Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Whoa, whoa, on now. Wasn't that the beginning of Elijah's ministry? He just shows up on the scene. He shows up to Ahab. He says, I just want you to know the word of the Lord says so there's not going to be rain. That was the beginning of his ministry. He just popped up like a mirage. All of a sudden, God puts some little personal touches in Elijah's life, shows himself real at the brook, shows himself real at the barrel, shows himself alive with the boy, shows himself alive at the bullock, and here's what's amazing. Here's what's powerful. God basically, that was the crescendo of his ministry. It seems short. Because the very next chapter, actually the end of this chapter, we understand Elijah appointed Elisha. So in full circle, he ended up saying, hey, there's not going to be rain. And then the end of his ministry, it began to rain. I don't know about y'all, but I think God did his work well with Elijah. I think he proved himself alive personally to this man, changed the world. And you know what? We're still being helped and blessed by this man today. Here's the application. You going to let God prove himself alive and real to you? If you have, if he's already done that personally, then how about you go ahead and get down in your conviction on that and say, hey, I'm not going to halt between any more opinions. I'm going to tell you all something, church. There needs to be more people in this church. We need to do a better job of going out and getting people to come in. The Bible says to compel them. I'm going to tell you all something right now. We're not going to compel anybody if we don't even think he can help us. Why am I going to go out and tell somebody to come here if I don't get no help if I come here? If I I ain't coming to Sunday school, then why in the world am I going to invite somebody else to come to Sunday school? Because that's not personal to me. I want you to know the application here is he must become alive and real to us personally for us to have the ministry here that we ought to have publicly. Personally, then publicly. And here's what happens powerfully. God works in such a way. He'll use us. He used this man. I'm going to be honest as I studied this for this message I'm going to be honest, I did not realize Elijah, I never really paid attention to it. His ministry was very short. And it came full circle. And God had one purpose. His crescendo, Mount Carmel. Public, powerful. But none of that happened until he had those personal touches in his life where God made himself alive and real personally at the brook, at the barrel, with the boy. I don't know about y'all. We're not careful. We will miss those fine tunings, those little fine touches that the Lord is trying to work in our hearts because he has a mission, he has a purpose, he has a plan For every one of us. And he wants to use us. Let's let him become real and alive in our hearts. So we can publicly make him alive and real. Because this world needs him. They don't know it, but they do. And we've got the answer, don't we? How many of y'all know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? How many of you know he's real? How many of you know he's helped you when no one else could? How many know he sustained you when no one else has? How many of you know that he's provided for you and he's been the provider? Then others need him. Let's let God help us. Just let him work in our lives personally. Look, it's not always painless. Sometimes very Painful. But let's let him have his work in our heart. Amen. He has a purpose for us. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to ask tonight. I always do this. The Christmas season is a very busy time of year. It's getting ready to get busy. Everybody's going to have that Christmas daze on their face. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Why wouldn't we come around an altar tonight as a church family? Could we not pray that God will work in our midst this December, that we'll see some people saved during Christmas? Amen. Through the prayed, through our programs, Will you ask the Lord to work in your life in such a personal way that he will help you to make him more alive and real? Look, you know people I don't know. We need to get busy making the Lord Jesus public. How many of you would come around an altar tonight, honestly? Let's just come and ask the Lord. This Christmas, because, you know, I mean, we can do a lot of stuff. We can be busy, a lot of all that. But, I mean, what's the point in all of it? We're trying to let people know that we serve a God that is alive and real. How many of y'all, believe, how many of y'all know somebody that needs him? Would you raise your hand? Let's, let's come and ask God to do something special these next few weeks till the end of the year. Be specific. Maybe through the parade Maybe through our programs. I don't know. We have an opportunity this, this month. Like we really are. Hey, look, through our Christmas caroling. Let's ask God to do something special. To make himself alive and real. And that we'll see people saved through the fruits of our labor. How about it? They're just going to play something. Would you come? Would you find a place? Would you come and find a place? If you raise your hand and you know somebody, maybe come and pray specifically for them. But be specific about it. You know, I know the Hoovers, they're they're encouraged about the prey. Let's let's pray that God. Look, we don't know who we'll hand them bags to. We don't know. But God does. How about the children's? they work hard on that we'll have a bunch of parents here they're not in church let's be specific about it maybe God's put somebody on your heart I mean if he's alive and real to us then we ought to want everybody to know it, right That ought to be a burden. Boy, we ought to be burdened over that. time I'm going to pray here in a minute I want to talk to the church just a second I don't mind it you don't have to cut that off unless you already have brother Chris If you cut that off already you can leave it on I want all of you to know I appreciate your kindness your patience um I know I told Brother Curran this the other day. I, I did a little study. I'd never done it before, but, you know, I did a study. There was six times the Lord Jesus Christ in his three and a half years of ministry tried to get away. Six times in three and a half years. I'd never seen that before. I want all of the men to know in my absence, I appreciate all of you preaching. I appreciate all of you help the church. But I want you to know Brother Marcus said something that Was helpful to me All of you said something that was helpful But I think it was helpful to the church He said, you know, there was he was in a place like this But he said, you know, he didn't know if his church understood at the time Well, I want to thank you I think we have a church that understands And I want to thank you I want you to know I appreciate your patience uh, Next week, two men will be preaching But Come first Wednesday in December, I plan on being back in my pulpit, and I'm excited about that, and I'm just going to tell y'all, if I'm going to come back, we're going to get fired up and go. So this Christmas needs to be the best we've ever had, and we need to get after it, and so we need to be working, trying to get people to come. I truly believe that I had a little bit of time by the brook. I do. By the way, literally. I got to share this with you. Some folks in the church sent me to a beautiful place. I'm just going to be honest. It was so beautiful. I thought I was in heaven. It sounded like heaven. It was so beautiful that week that I was able to leave the door open the whole week. And I left the door because there was a deck. And you know what that deck was overlooking? The New River. (laughs) Y'all know where the New River is? And wild and wonderful. Right there close to the Dairy Queen. And there was a rapid right behind my place. And I'm telling y'all right now, I got some, I mean, some serious, serious, serious peace. I appreciate your kindness. I appreciate your love for me and our family. And I want you to know I love you. Thank you very much. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, your grace. I pray now that you will take these words, speak to our hearts, Lord. We, do, we thank you for the fine-tuning. We don't always like it, Lord. It doesn't always feel good. But, Lord, we know that you have our best interest in mind. I pray now that you will help us. As we try to reach people for you, Lord, people need you. Many times they don't even know it. But Lord, we know the Holy Spirit will convict, and I pray you'll help us. Use us as vessels. We'll thank you for what you do, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Just a little quick footnote, but if you've ever noticed, if you do that study, when Jesus tried to get away those six times, he never got to. He never got to. You know why? Somebody always got him. And the feeding of the 5,000 took place because he went to go get away. They couldn't even eat. They were so busy they couldn't eat. And they went to get away, and all those people thronged him. And then he had to feed a buffet meal. Amen? So it's interesting what you find in the Word of God. Amen? God bless you. Have a great evening.